Welcome to the Making Hay podcast with Marcia Miller from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we help veterinarians, from new graduates to seasoned practitioners, navigate the sometimes tricky waters of personal finance. We all know the saying, making hay while the sun shines. As cheesy as it sounds, it represents a lot of what we help people do in their financial lives and businesses. We know each of you faces unique challenges, and we're here to offer advice tailored just for you. Anchored in service, stewardship, and a genuine understanding of your profession. Join Marsha Miller, your guide on this journey. Marsha has spent over 25 years in financial services, and her passion is helping vets like you get a handle on your finances. Tune in to each episode as we meet at the intersection of veterinary practice and financial management. With help from expert guests and insights from Marsha's own experience, we're going to tackle your biggest financial questions head on. Welcome to the Making Hay podcast. I'm your host, Marcia Miller, and I'm a financial advisor who specializes in working with veterinary professionals. I'd like to welcome a very, very special guest today, Shannon Spotswood, who is the president of RFG Advisory Corporate. And Shannon is one of the most passionate and creative and optimistic people in this space. I'm excited for her to be on the show today. Um, Shannon is really a standout in the financial services industry. She's earned recognitions such as one of 2020's Women to Watch by Investment News, 2021 Finalist Women in Asset Management, Advocate of the Year, and 2022 Top Women Leaders in Wealth Management. So man, she's had quite the journey that led her, though, to get these awards. Um, She started out before joining RFG Advisory in 2015. She spent about 20 years in San Francisco, where she worked as an investment banker, a hedge fund portfolio manager, and an entrepreneur. So wow, wow, wow. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you so much, Marsha. What a treat it's, it is to be here. I love your podcast and what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's been so fun and just really fantastic. So today, we are going to talk about empowering women, empowering our female veterinarians in just everything financial. So that's what we want to do. Such an important mission that you have. I love that. Yeah. So there is really a significant presence of women in this field. And so we want to make sure that they're not feeling left out. You have quite a bit to say about females and finance. So we're going to dive into that today. So you and I have a shared mission of empowering these women through financial education so that women can live financially fearless. I'd like to hear more about what you've created here at RFG Advisory and your initiative around that. So tell us. Absolutely. Um, This is a real passion of mine. I've spent 30 years working in the financial services industry, as you mentioned, 20 years in San Francisco on the institutional side of the business as an investment banker, as a hedge fund manager, and then the the past seven years here at RFG with a little bit of a uh, you know creative hard left turn in the middle of that building a luxury children's clothing company. So I have spent the bulk of my career working with men predominantly in finance and. The, the mission around empowering women to live financially fearless really came into clear view for me when I started at RFG Advisory. When I was working on more of the institutional side of the business, 
like you, I'm sure, but you actually can do something about this to help your friends. My friends would always come to me and ask me about their 401k or insurance or saving for retirement or how much should they spend? How much should they save? What's a rainy day fund? Like all the questions. And I was always, I can be honest, I I was always a little bit crestfallen and it was heavy on my heart about how sheepishly the, the questions were asked. And there was like an element of like, I should know this and I'm embarrassed that I have to ask these questions and, Mm -hmm. and that it wasn't just more commonplace to have conversations around money. Like I think that women are incredible about networking and sharing very personal things and rallying resources as it relates to taking care of our kids or our aging parents or health related resources or where do you get the best lip gloss or you know where's the best place to get a decorated cake like we're amazing networkers and i think very natural crowdsourcing problem solvers with the exception of one topic money Absolutely. And money, we just feel like we should know it. We should just know it. We should know what is the right thing to do. And our industry hasn't done women any favors in terms of how we have communicated about investing, how we present imagery around finance, how we give this impression that if you're not good at math, you really don't get it. So there's been a lot of like falsehoods that have been put into the marketplace for a very long time that have reinforced the belief for women that it's shameful to not know about money or it's you know not a subject that we talk about. It's not socially acceptable. So when I started at RFG and I started digging in on some of the data around women and wealth, it was like the shadows are lifted from your eyes and you see it with a, a level of clarity that you never did before. And these were some of the stats that really like rattled me more than anything, which is the majority of women who are working with a financial advisor in the time of death and divorce fire their financial advisor and find another one because they have felt so left out of the conversation and have not built trust. And I was like, let me get this straight. You have a financial advisor. You've been presumably working with this person for quite some time. In your most like raw, desperate moment, you feel so disconnected from this this person who should be a hugely valuable resource in your life that you have to go and find someone else. I just couldn't believe it. And then you start digging into the data a little bit more about the reasons why. And it's how they feel that they're not included in meetings, that the type of communication to them is not resonating with their values and the way that they think about the world, that they've never been asked questions around what are their goals and how do they think about risk? How do they want to prioritize money? So these incredibly solvable, very basic needs are not being met. And then you throw in the Wonder Woman stat, Mm -hmm. which is by the year 2030, women will control 67% of all wealth in this country. So they're left out of the conversation. They feel disconnected from their financial advisor and they're going to control all the wealth. So I'm like, we've got a problem that we need to really solve. And so we, we created alongside another female advisor, um, Chris Waddell and I brainstormed up this idea of 
let's create a female focused initiative and we called it strong her money love it and it is now you know we're so honored that you're a stronger money ambassador and that you are on this mission with us to really change not only the conversation and confidence of women but to completely change how women are viewing money as a source of empowerment to live financially fearless so i can't imagine a more important and more inspirational mission for us to be on for the uh, foreseeable future together. Absolutely. I mean, 80% of veterinarians are female. Oh my gosh. So it's, it's the opposite of our profession. Wow. You know, by far. Well, and of course, because women gravitate towards professional fields that are service oriented. Caregiving. Caregiving. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So that's an interesting stat as well. So we definitely want to not leave out the females here. We want them to feel heard. We want them not to be embarrassed to ask questions. I've definitely with my friends, I've had a lot of questions through the years, but like even my closest friend, like she's always said, I can't do math. So, I mean, for 40 years, we'd go shopping and she would say, okay, that's a third off. What's, what, it, how much is it, Marsha? It's $148 and 57 cents. I don't know how to do it. You know what I yeah. mean? And so, um, yeah, it's, and it's a mindset and we want to overcome those mindsets and empower people. So, and the only way we do it is with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You've got to just get in the room and start talking about this and start building the financial plan and start having some, you know, what's so, I think, inspirational and motivational about these conversations is once you put all of your money stories to the side, we all have them. We were all raised with money as a factor in our life for good, for evil, for limiting beliefs, for limitless beliefs. Like there's a lot of emotion around money. Mm -hmm. And so once you really find someone like you where it's like, there's no shame in this. Like this is all about really the promise of tomorrow. And let's have some really basic conversations. And it's okay to say, I want to be wildly reckless in building a barn on my property because I love horses. And it's okay to have that goal and to spend that money on it. it is. You just make adjustments in other parts of your life. And I think that conventional wisdom has led us to believe that that's not okay. And it's the farthest thing from the truth. It's like planning sets you free. Mm -hmm. It's it's so empowering. It's just you got to be willing to have some hard conversations and be really honest about yourself and your earnings power and how you want to work and how you want to live and mm -hmm. what's important to you. And once you reshape and reframe the conversation around money in those terms, it becomes just a totally different experience. It does. It does. And I mean, you just have to get awareness around what is your purpose of money, yeah. you know, and, and then there's a lot of shame too around women and spending. Yeah. And I don't like that. I mean, I think women don't have guidelines and maybe they feel uncomfortable because they don't know if they're spending too much or family members make them feel uncomfortable. No, we need to be free to be able to say, yeah, I'm going shopping and I have a budget for that. Right. You know, instead of, you know, hiding it, hiding it. Right. You know, I mean, so many of my friends are like, yeah, I've got to get the packages in before my husband gets home. That is not a way to live. Right. <laughs> you know, right. So we're here to change that yeah. um, and give that freedom. What are some ways that you can speak on specifically to give veterinarians actionable, like advice of like to start changing their mindsets? I think, you know, and let me set the stage a little bit, because I think this is important for this um, conversation. One of my 
absolute best friends in the entire world. My college roommate is a veterinarian. She runs a large um, animal hospital in Scottsdale. So I have hilarious stories about, especially our senior year when her education was really cranking up and we were all living in a house together where we were basically running, you know, like an animal shelter in our nasty college (laughs) house where we had desert tortoises in our closet and a a wide variety of dogs and goats in our backyard and kittens. And I mean, it was absolute like animal pandemonium. Um, So I have a firsthand experience with one of my closest and nearest and dearest friends who's a veterinarian who's living under the stress and pressure of running a large animal hospital in an affluent community and what that means and the various moving pieces of running a large boarding facility, a large grooming facility and adjacent to the care giving for, for animals. And, and so I'm, I'm going to share a little bit of what I've just learned in answering that, that question around mindset from conversations with her and what, what I think that surprised her, and you probably uncover this in your conversations, is that you get into veterinary medicine for your love of caring for animals, and you wind up spending the majority of your time leading and working and dealing with people, mm. whether it's your team or it's your clients. And the economic numbers give 100% validation for what I'm about to say, which is people's pets are their children. Like We're spending billions of dollars on our pets. And as someone who has two dogs, my cousin dog that lives next door, who pretty much lives at my house, and <laughs> two horses, um, it's a major line item in my budget. And, and I appreciate and think of them as my children. So you have this pressure where you came into an industry for a love of animals and end up spending your time really absorbing so much of the stress of interacting with people. So I think the first thing that needs to be said is as you're imagining the more positive money mindset, which will translate and I think amplify just in general, a more positive mindset overall is to just acknowledge that that's hard, that that's hard, that you didn't anticipate that when you chose this profession. And then you find yourself in a place where you're still called to the work to help the animals, but it is an, an unfortunate stress that you can't escape, but it isn't exactly what you planned for. So I think acknowledging that that stress is real is a, is, is really important. And then I think that it is this, this idea around We all are bringing to our present day whatever is the history of our past learned experience. And it's so easy to turn on that internal clock about, I should have more money saved for retirement. I should have made smarter choices in my 20s and 30s. I shouldn't have so much debt on my practice. I shouldn't have accepted that animal that didn't have any insurance and then didn't pay their bill. Like, There's lots of stories that we can tell ourselves in the coulda, shoulda, woulda. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is informed from our past experiences and how we were raised around money. And I think one of the most freeing things for all of us, you know, whether it's you're a veterinarian or you're the president of, of RFG is that we, we have this hope of tomorrow and our hope in tomorrow is greatly amplified 
if we're honest about planning today. I really live in like this zone around mindfulness and having an abundant mindset and having a growth mindset in knowing with like the full extent of every fiber of your being that if you let that voice inside your head run all day long about all the stuff that you screwed up and could have, should have, would have done differently, you will never enjoy the future you want. Full stop. Wow. That is so true. That's a lot. That's a lot to think about. But it's so true and so powerful, you know, and I love the college story. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even get me started. We moved to Lake Tahoe after we graduated and she worked at this animal shelter, like wild animal shelter. So we had an entire closet full of birds in rehab. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Do you have any pictures from those days? Oh my God, I'm (laughs) sure we do. I I vividly remember one picture of our other roommate, like weed whacking in the backyard and like the goat standing off to the side. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, I do agree with you. I think that, you know, that abundance mindset is, is definitely key. And then if you go into like walking through a process with us, like identifying Like, what is my purpose of my money? Let me get organized with a budget. Let me not feel guilty about spending the things that really mean something to me. What can I afford? All those things, there's there's like a checklist. And the whole path then that you're on can work out. You know, I had a conversation a couple of episodes ago. It was episode four, I believe, with Dr. Carrie Riddick. And she went to Auburn University, ended up in Birmingham with her first practice with working as an associate. And then end up buying a practice in Georgia for about a decade or more. And then sold that. And she's now the executive director of the Georgia Veterinary Medical Association. And it's just like, I was so empowered listening to her, you know. And it wasn't all, she made it look easy in a sense. But it's a lot. It's a lot to, you know, handle a marriage or children or just your day-to-day life, whatever. And then still think about money and running a practice when do I sell the practice? So, and I think, you know, know, some of the benefit of working with you is that you can take a real diagnostic lens to the business, right? The, the, the money that you're earning is the output of the business, but it's, we all can get caught in this trap. And, you know, Marsha, you and I have done a lot of strategic planning so that you're making really strategic decisions around how you want to build your firm. The same can be said about a veterinary practice where you bring in a trusted outside third party to really be thinking about how, you know, what is our end goal here? Like, is our end goal that I want to earn Mm $250,000 pre-tax? And then you start there and you back it all the way up to what does that mean in terms of how many appointments am I taking? How much am I charging? How is my staff compensated? What hours are we running? So oftentimes, we actually start at the top down and what we end up earning is just what's left over as opposed to building in reverse and saying, all right, this year I want to earn $200,000. Next year I want to earn $250,000. The next year I want to earn $300,000. And you build the business plan for your veterinary practice to support those goals. And the numbers can shift all over. It could be $50,000, right. whatever is your goal. But I, I really see a lot of times as, as we're having strategic conversations with our clients, which are financial advisors, you're just basically accepting what is the output 
as the output and instead you solve the problem in reverse and it really dramatically opens up your eyes around what strategic business decisions are you making? Absolutely. I, I like to call it the hope plan. I feel like the first part of my career, I was on the hope plan. I was just working so hard. How could it fail? How could anything not be, I was just, I was working so hard it had to work. And then I realized that, you know, there's way more to it than just being a hard worker, Yeah. you know, um, cause I showed up every day and I was working hard and I, and I did have success, but it's the same with these veterinarians. Um, absolutely. And I think there's a quote that I heard from someone recently that says you can't be what you want until you see it, you know, and that's part of like the strategic coaching between you and I, Shannon, is that you're helping me see, you know, and define my career. And that's what we do for our veterinary clients is, you know, help empower them. It's um, a little bit of like, hey, I believe in you and I want to help you. Yeah, I really, truly want to help people. And I know I'm good at that. You are, you are great at it. And I want to, you know, I was working with my strategic coach this morning and we were having a conversation. And since 80% of veterinarians are, are women, I think this would be helpful for me to share. And it's the 12 behaviors that keep women stuck from moving to the top. So it's obviously written in a corporate context, but the title is meaningless because I think these are all true. So 12 behaviors. Number one, reluctance to claim your achievements. Number two, expecting others to spontaneously notice and reward your contributions. Number three, overvaluing expertise. Number four, just building rather than building and leveraging relationships. Number five, failing to enlist allies from day one. Number six, putting your job ahead of your career. So ahead of building, you know, what you were just saying, the hope plan. I'm so busy being busy. Of course, I'm going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Ah. One we all can relate to, the perfection trap. The desire to please, number nine, minimizing yourself. Number 10, too much, too much on your plate. Number 11, running around in your head, ruminating. And number 12, letting your radar for everything that can go wrong distract you. Whoa, what a list. I need a copy of that. (laughs) We'll put it in the show notes and I will get it to you. That is amazing. It's so true. It's like a window into your soul as you like think Mm -hmm. about all that. You're like, these are limiting beliefs. Like what is so incredibly powerful about 80% of women are veterinarians and we'll have to pull out the stat. I'm not close enough to the pet industry to know what the economic impact of this is, but I know it's in the billions if not tens of billions of dollars. So this is an industry and an economic engine that is being run by women. So imagine if as you go on your mission of serving veterinarians and helping all these women to shift the money mindset, to shift the economic profile of these veterinary practices, to really give lift for the future, for the industry, addressing the stress, addressing the burnout, addressing the suicide rates, addressing all of these external factors that are a reality in the veterinary medicine industry. Like this has the possibility of just being a hugely positive force for good, not only for female veterinary professionals and their teams, but for their clients and for the the country as a whole. Yes, 
so accurate, so good, so needed. So needed. And we need to share the load. I mean, you know, yes. we can't, it's hard to be a sole person who owns a practice, or even if you have partners, you need someone to share that with. And, and you know, the financial part, money touches everything. Yeah. You know, and I love our conversations that I get to have with veterinarians, um, and especially the female vet- veterinarians. You know, they're talking about, like, the work-life balance, and they're talking about how hard it is all day, every day, and, and to see the death you know, they're animals yes. every single day and the, the burnout, the colleagues. I mean, the list goes on and on with all the issues that are in the veterinary space right now. And so um, money should be one of them. Right. We should take that off the table and yeah. say, hey, you've got a friend over here, someone to lean on. And when all those 12 thoughts that you just read out, you know, <laughs> let's have a conversation, pick up the phone and call us. Yeah. So, um, well, fantastic. So I think as, as we close and we reflect on all this valuable information that we've shared today, I've loved it. Let me kind of pose one final question to you, Shannon. Is there, in, in your opinion, what is the one piece of advice that you would give every female veterinarian that she should carry and think about on her financial journey? What is the one thing that just comes to mind? Vulnerability. We somehow, as women, have conflated, like, to be strong is to suppress vulnerability. And I think that one of the most exciting is as you share successes with me in planning and working with your clients, those breakthroughs come from vulnerability. It's really when the clients lay in front of you, like here are all of the factors at play. I've got, you know, the stress of the business. I have these financial stresses, family, you know, everything that I'm dealing with. And so the piece of advice that I would say is like, you can't do it alone. It's too hard. You're just going to run around in your head with it. And so if you can find a trusted professional who has an expertise in your field and you can get, you know, we like to use the word with stronger money, you can get financially naked, mm-hmm. then you are ahead of the majority of women in this country. You who, just have to take the step. You just have to take the step. And so I feel like, you know, I love that quote, like everything you want is on the other side of fear. And a lot of times women don't want to talk about money because they're afraid. I'm afraid you're going to tell me I'm going to die penniless. Yeah. I'm afraid you're going to tell me that I've been a failure in my career. I'm afraid you're going to tell me that I'm never going to be able to do the things I want to do. And it's all for not like I'm, I've got all these fears, but the reality of it is like, if you flip that and you say, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to show up and and get financially naked. It is there's nothing more empowering because nothing then you more. have you have clarity. You have a, you have a matrix now around how you're making hiring decisions for your practice, how you're thinking about your schedule, how you're thinking about growth, how you're thinking about branding and marketing and advertising, how you're thinking about everything as it relates to your business, as it relates to your personal spending, like you now have a framework for, and instead of just like bumping into the wall, wishing you were doing better, you have an accountability partner, you have a coach, you have a trusted resource, you have someone who's going to hold your hand through that valley. There's nothing more inspirational and freeing than that. So vulnerability. Yes. Love it. It's so much better than spending your nights waking up in the middle of the night, thinking about these things running around in your head. Love that answer. Thank you so much. 
We're going to have to continue this on another podcast in the future. Once I find those pictures of yes. all the animals in college. We are going to have those <laughs> pictures, no doubt, no doubt. Well, thank you all for joining us here today. If you would like to reach me, my phone number is 205-795-2013. You can go to my website. The easiest way to find my website is meetwithmarcia.com, M-A-R-C-I-A, meetwithmarcia.com. If you are enjoying this podcast, please like it, share it, subscribe. All those things helps us get out, get the word out to other professionals that are in your industry um, and help us help more people. So um, also follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And until next time, I hope you are living the life you want and living a life of high happiness. Thank you for listening to the Making Hay podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at meetwithmarsha.com or give us a call at 205-795-2013. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Marsha Miller. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Marsha Miller or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Advisory services offered by Investment Advisory Representatives or RFG Advisory LLC, RFG Advisory or RFG, a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.